Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 279 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is Bachelor Nation, an interview with Kelly Flanagan. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Folks, Kelly Flanagan became a household name as a result of our participation in the Bachelor Nation. Unfortunately, Bachelor Nation did have a downside for Kelly because all of the stresses associated with being on the show became an immune-disrupting event, and she began to suffer from chronic Lyme disease. And Rich, thankfully, Kelly Flanagan realized that healing from chronic Lyme disease is not simple. It's not a one-pill solution. She took a whole-body approach and focused on things like killing a wide variety of pathogens, addressing her limbic system, dealing with her nervous system, and even addressing her mental health, Rich. As soon as Ms. Flanagan was diagnosed with Lyme disease, she knew she had to use her platform for advocacy and for awareness. And she has done a wonderful job of calling attention to the Lyme disease crisis. And as a result, we are really excited to introduce to you, Kelly Flanagan. Hey, Kelly Flanagan, and welcome to the special crossover podcast with Igenix and Tick Bootcamp. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. We're really excited to have you, Kelly. And uh, there's just so much we can talk to you about. But to be respectful of your time, we're going to sort of tie uh, tie up some things pretty quickly. And there is one thing in particular I want to talk to you about as a fellow lawyer. But let's hold that thought for a second and let's uh, introduce you to the folks who do not know you. Right? You're a reality TV star. Uh, you're a spokesperson, a model. You're an influencer, both on social media and mainstream media. But what I really want to focus on is your JD. I want to talk to you as a fellow lawyer and talk to you about evidence-based uh, medicine and why you took the approach you took to testing. So let's first build out your backgrounds. Talk about law school and talk about um, what you learned in your evidence classes as a, as a law student and now as a lawyer. So I went to Chicago Kent College of Law up in Chicago, and it was actually crazy because I, um, they have a program where for a couple of months for that semester or, you know, that year you work under a couple of different attorneys and lit and learn different types of law. So one of them I did was criminal. Another one that I found very interesting was, um, I worked under a vaccine attorney and that's when I started learning a lot about, um, not a lot, but you know, the the time that I got to spend with him, he was teaching me a lot about, you know, the healthcare system and um, just disease prevention and um, people having adverse reaction to certain vaccines and just kind of teaching me the brief and basic steps of how our government works with, you know, these, these issues. So um, yeah, that was a really interesting class. And then, you know, I graduated, I think, in 2017 and immediately went and started working for my family. But um, I also took a genetics in the law class, which was really interesting because that pertains to health as well. So uh, a lot of the courses that I took were, were super interesting and have taught me a lot. So you had a strong foundation. You have a father who's a lawyer. You uh, have a legal education. You work as a lawyer. You have these, these internship opportunities all evidence-based. And now when you're not feeling well and you're starting to get a sense of, of, of something being wrong, you decide you want to take an evidence-based approach to defining what's wrong with you. So talk to us about the evidence-based approach you took, of course, having the strong background in, in evidence and why you decided you were going to work with Igenix for your testing. 
So the reason why I worked with hygienics was, um, I don't know if it was so much law based, but it was more of, so five out of the six of us in my family are actually attorneys and two of my brothers also have Lyme. So two other attorneys within my family have Lyme and I necessarily didn't know since I was younger, probably fourth grade, I realized that there was something definitely off with my digestive tract and was doing a bunch of testing. And it actually took my brother, Tom, um, to figure out he had Lyme because, you know, he goes hunting. Um, My family kind of has like a hunting land and middle of nowhere, Illinois, but he went hunting and got bit by a tick and his symptoms were completely different from mine. But since he started doing so much evidence-based research, whether it's reading books, podcasts, um, documentaries were huge, anything that he could find that pertained to Lyme disease. And he started doing the research. Um, that's when he figured out, you know, I, I most likely have Lyme disease. And then he came to me and he's like, Hey, look, I know you've always struggled with your health. Like he knew what every single one of my symptoms were. And he was the one to be like, I think you have Lyme. And I was like, what? He was like, Kel, I've done so much research. Um, and I know my symptoms are different from yours, but he was like, I also think you might have Lyme. So that's what encouraged me to take those steps and, um, kind of go through hygienics because he also took several different tests. He went up to Mayo Clinic and they were telling, they were telling him that his thyroid wasn't working and that they needed to remove his thyroid because it was working at a 0%. And he was actually arguing with the doctor who I think was like in charge of infectious disease up at Mayo Clinic. And he was saying, Hey, look, like, I think I have Lyme disease. I want you guys to run this test on me. And they wanted to do a different test. And he said, well, why would I do that test when that, you know, um, percentage rate of success was like a 40% or something super low. He's like, I really want to try hygienics. And um, they kind of went against it to some degree because they said it wasn't backed by the government and all this stuff. And he was like, no, 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 I've done all of my research. And I realized that hygienics is the one that is most accurate so why, why am I not taking hygienics here? So, you know, they kind of had a little bit of a disagreement there and he believed in hygienics so much that he was like, I'm taking hygienics tests because on the market, this is the most accurate one. And I believe in hygienics and I think they do things right. So when it came to me getting tested, there was essentially no other options. I already knew what um, was out there through him. And, you know, he told me there's a couple different tests and we kind of went through it and realized that hygienics is the best on the market. And, um, that was definitely the one I decided to go with. So your brother had blazed the trail. He had already done the work. There's no reason for you to recreate the wheel. And you just followed in the path that your brother had, had set out for you. And now you had a good experience. So talk to us about what your experiences were like at hygienics and why you have become such an advocate of the hygienics testing. So um, I just, again, when I was looking at the research and seeing how accurate hygienics is compared to the other tests, like I knew after hearing from his experience, but also doing my own research, I was like, there's no reason not to do this. And I remember reaching out to my agent saying, hey, look, I really want to bring awareness to this. Um, There's this great brand that, you know, is the best test on the market. I don't think many people in the Lyme community even know about it, or maybe they do, but it takes them years to discover it. So I reached out to my agent. I was like, Hey, I really want to bring awareness to hygienics because I think what they're doing is really great. 
And um, I had like a bunch of people on social media. I kind of have a platform on Instagram. So I had a bunch of people who suspected they might have Lyme symptoms and they like didn't even know where to get started. So that's why I wanted to partner with Igenix and bring a lot more awareness to their tests in general to make sure that people were getting sound results. So Kelly, when you took your test at Igenix, what evidence did you receive? Meaning what um, infections and co-infections did you discover and how did that help you to define how you were going to move forward with your treatment plan? Um, so it was as expected, you know, I came back with um, both positive for Lyme, but then I think I also had nine co-infections on top of it, um, which was crazy to me. And I, again, that was like the best thing that I could have ever known because when usually you have Lyme, like you have other things that are wrong as well. So I liked that Igenix just essentially did the full panel and was not only testing for Lyme, but it was also testing for other viruses as well, because usually it disrupts your whole system. So it just came back to me saying, Hey, yes, you're positive for Lyme. This is probably the biggest culprit you have, but you also have a lot of other things that you need to be taken care of as co-infections to make sure that um, you know, you're, you're giving some kind of power to both of this and trying to overcome all of it because you can't just overcome one without the other. So before Matt starts to talk to you about the treatment plan that you pursued, I'd like to just focus a little bit on the Flanagan family, because uh, not only is it cool that you have a whole bunch of lawyers in your family, we have the same in our families. It's another thing that we have in common. That's amazing. Uh, but, uh, but I think also kind of interesting is that so many of you have Lyme disease. So talk to us about um, what it was like growing up in the Flanagan household and what do you know about ticks and tick diseases during your childhood and, and, uh, and, and beyond? You know what? I didn't know much about it. And a lot of people asked me, and I know this might be a little bit controversial, but they asked me, how did you get Lyme? And there wasn't one point that I remember getting bit by a tick or having a rash or any of that stuff. And my response to them is basically, I truly believe that I was born with it. Um, you know, and then I, I did a little bit of research. There's not too much research on it, but there is some research to say that it can be passed down. You know, it's a virus and um, just like other viruses can be passed down. I suspect this one can too. And my one brother that got it, I don't think he was born with it, but I think my oldest brother was also born with it because between the two of us, between him and I, we've always had something a little bit off and a little bit like way more sensitive to things and like kind of had to watch what we were doing a little bit more and just had like really crazy um, reactions that like just didn't make sense. So growing up, I really didn't know too much about Lyme. I knew it existed. Um, I didn't know anyone that had it. And I just suspect that it was something that maybe my mom had picked up or one of my parents or something. And I, I feel like I've had this in my system for quite a while. And I think just going into a really like stressful situation by going on a TV show and um, just having a massive transition in my life brought a lot of stress out in me. And I think that it just kind of ticked it off, you know? Yeah, so Matt is, Matt is going to talk to a little bit about the immune disrupting events and perhaps the immune disrupting event that took place when you became a reality TV star. But let's, let's pause on that for a second and look back a little bit more about your, your childhood and, and, um, and, and, and Lyme disease. So 
Do you know if your parents were aware of ticks and tick diseases? Because you said your family has a, uh, I guess, a hunting cabin or hunting property. Um, yeah. And I guess that's a prominent part of your, uh, of your childhood experience. So A, did you go hunting with your family and were you someone who was outdoorsy? Or B, do you know if your father and your brothers, when they were going hunting, were they taking precautions to protect themselves? Because there are many, many cases where hunters are coming home with ticks on their clothing and because they're not aware of how to protect themselves and their families, their children in many cases are being bitten by ticks that are brought into the house from people going on hunting trips. Yeah, so my family actually didn't get this hunting land until a couple of years ago, so that wasn't too prevalent in my you know younger years. But we did live in like a golf a golf course community, but within that golf course community, there was there was um, like foresty areas all around and you know us six kids would be going around and we'd be building tree houses and we were always constantly like in the woods um we definitely knew ticks were bad we were aware of it we were aware of Lyme disease when we were younger but I don't think it was something that we um were as worried about as we should have been I think it was more of, oh, I know this exists, but like that won't ever happen to me. You know, I think that was more of our mentality. So Kelly, many of the people you've interviewed um, who are golfers have Lyme disease as well. In fact, it seems to be the the athletic activity that has the greatest number of people who have Lyme disease. Jimmy Walker, there are many others that, you know, that you can uh, you can identify as people who are on uh, who are golfers who have Lyme disease. So I think that's another sort of prominent place where we have to um, learn to protect ourselves and, of course, to check ourselves after we're spending time on on golf course. And and by the way, it is certainly possible that you know that um, you have congenital Lyme. I, I think it's become generally accepted in the Lyme community, at least, that Lyme disease is a congenital disease. That it is a bacteria that can pass through the placenta and and uh, and you know as early as the you know, late 1970s and the early 1980s, there are there doctors like uh, Dr. Alan McDonald here on Long Island, who was able to definitively prove that, uh, that uh, Lyme disease is a congenital disease. But of course, if all of you are getting it, it could be congenital, or if all of you are getting it, you could be just living in a tick endemic community and you could have access, you know, ticks could have access to you. So um, let's talk about one more thing before, uh, before Matt um, uh, begins to talk to you about your healing plan. Talk to us a little bit more about how the hygienics testing drove the treatment plan that you pursued, because we've seen from some of the media reports that you went on this journey where you were, you were going to be engaging in intensive treatment for nine months. So talk about how your hygienics testing put you in a position where you made the decision to treat the way you did. And did your brother's treatment plan influence the treatment plan that you used? Um. Yeah, definitely. So after I took the hygienics test, again, I had a little bit of a path already to follow. Um, and I, I went up to a doctor that's pretty prevalent up in Boston, because you know, that's where like ticks are super prevalent. So I went up there and tried to get onto their plan and their system. Um, you know, it worked amazing for my brother that more recently got Lyme disease. For me, I think I struggled a little bit more. Um, I don't know if my body reacted the best, but after I did the hygienics test, I wasn't just going to go to, you know, a holistic doctor, which I love. And I wasn't just going to go to like a general practitioner. I wanted someone 
specific within Lyme because I know it's super finicky and not many people know how to deal with Lyme disease. Um, a lot of doctors out there, it's something you either know or you don't know. And with that, after I took hygienics, I knew what route to go down because I knew it was Lyme instead of just going to a doctor and saying, Hey, I have this autoimmune issue today. And I have that autoimmune issue today. It just put me on a more precise path to know that I need to see someone who's dealt with something like this before. And Kelly, I think it's so much deeper than that also, because not only did you know that you had Lyme disease and you had to see this Lyme specialist who can help you, but you knew that you had these nine other co-infections, right? And when I got first diagnosed, I used regular lab core testing and I didn't know I had Babesia. So I wasn't treated for that and I didn't get better. So by you using hygienics, you knew exactly what was going on and you can target these other co-infections that don't respond to the same treatment that's used for Lyme disease as well. So when you went to this doctor in Boston, do you recall, Kelly, what treatment you were on? Was it antibiotics? Was it herbal? Was it a combination of the both? You know, what exactly were you doing to treat right after your diagnosis? It was, I would say it was a little bit more of herbal, but a lot of it was diet. Um, you know, they wanted me cutting out sugar and carbs for three months. And then I had like every single bottle of every supplement you could think of. So um, before breakfast, I would have to take three drop, three drops of like specific things. Then at lunch, I was only able to essentially eat like meat and veggies for breakfast as well, for dinner as well. And then I would have to take my supplements. And then I would, I was doing lasers, like infrared red lasers. Um, I also had like an oxygen tank that I would do. I would do feet detoxes. Um, so there, it was more of like a program and you had to stick to it pretty, pretty like, um, evenly in order to get some kind of results. But I tried to not go the antibiotic route just because I know that could throw your system out of whack even a little bit more. Um, so I tried to essentially just see if I could do this program before I went with like harsh antibiotics that are killing off good bacteria in you as well. So Kelly, let's put your symptoms in context here because, you know, Allie Hilfiger had a very similar story to yours where when she was on MTV and was the star of this reality TV show, shortly after she became very sick with Lyme disease because of the stress of being a TV star. And it sounds like your journey was very similar that right after being on The Bachelor, you got pretty sick as well. So give us an idea as to some of your symptoms, what they were, how they were developing. And then once you treated in Boston with a combination of things you just described, how your symptoms began to subside. So, um, after I went on the show, I think my body was just super stressed out and, um, I was just getting weird things, whether it was, you know, feeling a little bit dizzy here, like low energy or a little bit moody. My weight was all over the place. Um, I was getting diagnosed with other things like SIBO, PCOS, thyroid issues, like you name it. They said, like, I kind of had issues. It was just throwing off like everything in my body. So after I went on the show, I just knew something was wrong. I came back from Greece and I, you know, I told my friend, I was like, Hey, like, I'm not doing well. I don't feel well. Like, I don't want to talk to anyone for the next two weeks. Um, I just want to sleep. Like just, you know, brain fog was, was a lot. And I just like, didn't, I, it was kind of more of like a depressive state where like, I just didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to do anything. Um, I was just in this weird, like mental space where I just knew my body wasn't doing well. And 
one, you know, sometimes it gets a little bit hectic to talk about it constantly. And that's like something that I struggle with because a lot of people like want me to consistently talk about it, but you know, mindset is also a huge thing. And I want to focus on being a little bit more healthy than always talking about like the downfalls. And, um, it's sometimes hard to like, try to talk to so many people about it. Cause they're always such sad stories and it brings you down. And then, it, you know, you're like cycling through just to be like, Oh, Oh man, like, this is just like, life is hard. And I'm, I'm trying to keep the perspective of like, Hey, look, I can beat this. I can overcome this. I'm strong. My body's strong. Like I got this, like I have the education behind it. I have the dedication behind it. Like this is something I can overcome. I never want to be one of those people that just kind of, um, sits there in my own sorrow and thinks that this is something that's going to overpower me because I'm trying to mentally overpower it. So you were on The Bachelor, I think, in 2020, Kelly, right? Then you yeah. were diagnosed in 2021. And for about the last year or so, you've had your diagnosis. Did you treat with this doctor in Boston the whole time? Are you still treating with this doctor? Or did you make a change at any point to see another doctor? You know what? Um, I'm still kind of like going through it. My symptoms are definitely different from a year ago than they are today. Like um, back then, it was more of the brain fog and like mental stuff and, and just being like super tired right now. I'm dealing more of like, um, allergies and being essentially allergic to everything. So, um, my symptoms have changed. I haven't been working with them too much because, you know, it's, I'm, I've just been getting like recommended different doctors and trying to see how knowledgeable they are in certain fields and all that stuff. So I've definitely changed up my program a little bit for, you know, a bunch of different reasons, but, um, again, you know, there's something different now that's sparking me that was sparking me then. And that's not uncommon, Kelly, where when you start to treat, you knock down some symptoms, but other symptoms pop up. And that means you're making progress, I think, right? Because other things are popping up as you're knocking one down and other ones, you know, appearing. So if you, if you had to say, because a lot of people that listen to our podcast and that, that tune into hygienics are sick with Lyme disease and want to know what they can do to get better. And we understand it's not the same for everybody, but in your personalized experience, Kelly, what was the most effective treatment you, you feel that you used? Was it the diet? Was it the lasers? Was it the oxygen tank? Was it the herbals? Or was it really hard to pinpoint one specific modality that you felt was the most effective in your journey? You know what? I think it was a little bit hard. I mean, diet's huge, you know, diet's key. I think that's a massive one, but you know, it's something that I really realized that I think just helps reset my body. And I've been realizing it a little bit more. I never really used to believe in it too much, but acupuncture. Um, I really like acupuncture a lot. Um, that's something, you know, how, how you go through these different phases and you're like, okay, well, this is working. Well, that's working. Well, that's working. I'm kind of on the acupuncture train right now. Um, and I really believe it. I was going to this chiropractor down in the keys and he has these, like, I believe in all of it, whether it's light sound, all that stuff, I would go in, he would do chiropractic work on me. He would do acupuncture on me. He would have this light that would like shine down on me. And then it's also like a, a sound, like some kind of sound that supposedly kills off Lyme. Um, like a frequency therapy, Kelly? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I don't know, you know, if it's a placebo effect, but I'm really into that stuff. I believe in that stuff. I believe in just like having a positive mindset and all that stuff. So those are things that I, I really enjoyed going to him. Um, I would come out, you know, sometimes I have trouble sweating and I would come out of those sessions just drenched for no reason. 
And having trouble sweating is actually a very common symptom of Lyme and you need to sweat to detox, right? So you're going there, you're getting the therapeutic value of, of chiropractic, of, of acupuncture, which is helping reduce inflammation, but also now when you're sweating, you're allowing these toxins to come out of your body. So I think it's really a multi-purpose treatment there that you just described. My final question before Rich picks back up here is if you had to give one word of advice to the Lyme community, because again, so many people are suffering, so many people are so sick. If you had to give one piece of hope and inspiration to the community, what would that be from your own personal experience? You know what? Another thing I'm really working on right now is DRNS. And it's just talking about um, retraining your limbic system. And again, just, you know, there's certain things that have triggered me. And I guess not from personal experience, but I'll, I'll kind of tell a story here. There was this guy who was very reactive to gasoline. So every time he was going to fill up on gas, he would immediately think like, I'm going to, I'm going to react here. And it was almost like your body has such great muscle memory that um, if you're going to like put that perception in your head or that thought in your head, like your body's going to react to it because it knows how or what's about to happen next. And sometimes if you learn how to rewire that and put like positive thoughts in your mind, sometimes you won't be as reactive as you actually thought you would be. So I think that mindset throughout all of this is very big as well. Um, and retraining your limbic system is something that a lot of people should look into as well. We hope you have, have luck with getting out of that sort of fight or flight loop that yep. you, you will be able to succeed in getting out of if, if the DNRS works for you. So Kelly, before we, uh, before we wind down, we'd like to talk to you about uh, the decision that you made after you were diagnosed with Lyme disease to use your platform for Lyme disease advocacy. And, and Matt and I came to admire you almost immediately throughout, throughout the time that, um, or shortly after you were diagnosed with Lyme disease, almost every day there was another story coming out about you advocating for this community. And we thought that was really brave of you because there are many celebrities and many people who have celebrity platforms that shy away from doing that. And, and, and we can understand that, you know, you know, everyone is on their own journey. Everyone has to make their own decision about what's best for them and their mental health and their physical health. Um, and of course, um, you have to be cautious to protect your platform, right? And you had this powerful platform that you developed as a result of, of being on The Bachelor and then building that into both a social media and a mainstream media uh, influencing uh, platform, but you embraced the advocacy almost immediately. So talk to us about, you know, what went into the calculations about whether or not you were going to become an advocate and whether or not you're going to use this very powerful platform that you were developing for the purpose of advocating for Lyme disease. You know what? I knew it was going to come with a little backlash and it's sad that that is the case, but like, um, you know, I was, I was thinking about it and I, I was again, talking to some of my family members and I was like, there's so many people out there that don't even believe in Lyme disease that I knew I was going to get like attacked, whether I decided if I decide to say something, but at the end of the day, I knew that I needed to bring awareness to this because I was like, this is crazy that there's, and, you know, my personal experience, I don't think that there's enough research out there um, in terms of trying to overcome this. And so I wanted to just bring awareness on Lyme disease in general, whether I got backlash or not. And um, I definitely want to bring Igenics in and just have a place for people to start if they assumed or had the same symptoms. And not only that, like, I'm pretty honest on my social media in terms of 
what I'm doing day in, day out. And I didn't want to live this like fake life and just be like, Hey guys, I'm eating my breakfast today. But in reality, I'm taking 8 million supplements. I'm doing this. I'm doing lasers. I'm doing that. Like, I don't think some people know the extent of having just like an illness and what that is like to like, what that's like to like go through something like that. You know, I still have people message me all day being like, you exaggerate, get over it. And I'm just like, clearly like one karma is going to come and bite you in the ass. But two, like a lot of people don't know the extent of how much of a toll it takes on your body. And I wanted to be an advocate and show people like, Hey, look, I might live a great life, but there are days that hit me freaking hard. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. And this is why it's hitting me hard. And this is what I struggle with. And, um, I just want to bring more awareness. And actually what's really kind of sad is there's another guy, Ryan Suter, who's in Bachelor Nation. He also had Lyme disease and he was kind of upfront and open about it. Um, I think he was just supposed to go on Good Morning America and talk about Lyme disease. And they pulled him last minute because they said Lyme disease isn't real. So it is a controversial disease, unfortunately, in some circles. And it is important that people who have platforms like yours advocate for this. It's important that you advocate because we need more funding. But more importantly, I think it's important that you advocate so that more people are aware of this disease, more parents are aware of this disease, so they can help their children protect themselves or they can protect their children, right? And perhaps if uh, there had been advocates uh, that would have put your parents in a position where they had more information, perhaps they could have armed their six very smart, educated, many lawyer, um, you know, uh, <laughs> many people with law degrees, uh, so that they could have they could have protected themselves and perhaps many of you wouldn't have gotten sick. So there's sort of many different elements of this advocacy. But uh, I, I think the very vulnerable approach you took to sharing your diagnosis on social media was really important so that people can see the reality of Lyme. But I think even more importantly, you know, one of the things that Matt and I did before we started, we, we just did some quick searches and we saw that as a result of your willing to be vulnerable and both of you being willing to share your experience, despite the risks that the mainstream media covered this in a way that we hadn't seen before. Uh, your story was covered in People Magazine, Yes Magazine, um, or I should say Us Magazine, uh, The Today Show, Good Morning America, Entertainment Tonight, The Daily Mail. I mean, it literally got international coverage in the mainstream media in a way that we had never seen before. So talk to us about what it was like for you to bring this disease to light in the mainstream media, not just here in the US, but internationally? Yeah, um, I think it was great. I kind of knew at that time whether I was going to show if I was willing to be open and honest about it. I knew that I was gonna kind of blow up because it's like a big deal. Um, and so that again was something that usually they talk about my relationship life but you know when something like big like a diagnosis marriage all that stuff like it kind of just pops all over and again that was something that even though it sucked to have the news that I did have Lyme disease again I wanted to do that to bring awareness um again whether it's backlash or not it just gets more people talking about it and just essentially like people who didn't believe in it or people that don't know much about it, they're willing to look it up and investigate a little bit more of what it is and how it works and stuff like that. So my main, my, my main mission with, you know, sharing it all was essentially to get publicity around it. So more people just learn about 
Lyme in general. So Kelly, I want to thank you for doing all the advocacy work that you're doing on behalf of the community. And I particularly want to thank you for making sure that the hygienics testing is a part of the information that you're making available to the community so that people can get evidence-based tools that they will need to define what type of treatment they will need. So we thank you for doing that both on your social media and both as a mainstream media um, influencer. Thank you. I really enjoyed you guys having me. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Tick Boot Camp interview with our guest, Kelly Flanagan. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Kelly Flanagan, please visit her Instagram page at Kelly Flanagan. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Boot Camp podcast, please share with your friends by using the social media button you see at the bottom of our post. Third, Tick Boot Camp has created a Tick by Blueprint that has been inspired by the information that has been shared with us by past guests on this podcast. We urge you to visit our website at tickbootcamp.com to view our blueprint. Please note we would appreciate any input or any improvements you would like to share with us. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to get your automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, we thank you, our community, for your comments on our past podcast episodes. Please take a minute to leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts, on Instagram, or on our website. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. Thank you, as always, for listening.